Let me ask you a question this morning. How much courage do you have? How much courage do you have? Would your friends, your coworkers, your family members call you a courageous person? Our text this morning is just one verse of scripture and it says, the wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. From Proverbs chapter 28, verse one. Now the dictionary defines courage this way, the ability to face and deal with a dangerous or a difficult situation. And from this statement, it would seem that there's two parts to courage, positioning ourselves to face a situation and then having the ability to deal with it. Now it's interesting to read modern writers on the subject of courage because they give you some interesting definitions. For instance, one is that is often quoted uh, goes this way, courage is fear that has said its prayers. Courage is the strength to go beyond our own limits. Courage is the ability not to let people know how scared you are on the inside. Courage is doing what you are afraid to do, and where there is no fear, there is no courage. And then General George Patton of World War II days defined it this way, courage is fear that holds on for one more minute. So think about the definition. It's the ability to face and to deal with a dangerous or a difficult situation. Now I'm gonna ask you again, how much courage do you have? Would your friends call you a courageous person? It's interesting to think about the images of courage. Most of the popular images of courage have to deal with people fighting some sort of a battle. It's like soldiers coming ashore at Omaha Beach. It's the Marines landing on Iwo Jima. It's the blue and gray battling at Gettysburg. It's Harriet Tubman leading slaves to freedom on the Underground Railroad. It's Martin Luther King Jr. standing up for equal rights or President Kennedy standing strong during the Cuban Missile Crisis. These are some of the popular images of courage. They have to do with warfare or fighting or standing tall in the face of opposition. And I don't deny or doubt in the least that these things are part of what courage is all about. However, if that is all that courage means, most of us are left out because most of us won't ever be in some of those kinds of situations. So I've been thinking about the many faces of courage today. And this is what I think courage is. It's a person who's dealing with a diagnosis of terminal cancer. It's a single mother who's struggling to raise a family. It's a widow who faces the last years of her life without her beloved husband by her side. It's a child of divorce struggling with their self-image with doubt and anger and fears of rejection. It's a single person who chooses purity over promiscuity. It's an engaged couple who will wait even though the world says, go ahead. It's somebody who chooses to live and serve in a community where very few others would go. It's an employee who sees something wrong like greed or corruption and has the courage to speak up. It's a family that has enough love to embrace foster children, especially those with extra, that need extra love and care. So what do all these things have in common? And 
think mainly four things. Bravery in the face of danger, steadfastness in the face of opposition, action in the face of resistance, and optimism in the face of despair. Bravery says, I won't be afraid. Steadfastness says, I won't give up. Action says, I won't be intimidated. And optimism says, I won't lose heart. It's amazing how much the Bible has to say on this subject. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, we read, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, neither turning to the right or to the left, and then you will be successful in everything you do. Joshua 1.9, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. Psalm 27, 1 through 3, the Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. And though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. And then 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, Perfect love expels all fear. Read your Bible sometime and count the number of times that God tells us not to fear. The people who count such things tell us that over 360 times in Scripture we are told to not fear. Today I want to suggest to you four steps that we can take in dealing with fear. And these four steps will help us to move from fear to faith, from cowardice to courage. And the first step is this. We need to remember our position. Our text says the wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. The righteous can be bold. The wicked should be scared to death. Courage is to remember who you are in Jesus Christ. To remember that in Christ we are strong, we are victorious, we are accepted, we are justified, we are redeemed, and we are completely forgiven. Our sins are washed away. We're a member of God's family. We're born for courage, not for fear. We are born for courage, not for fear. We can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. Now, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7 tells us that God has not given us this spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. When it comes to matters of faith and using our spiritual gifts, we have a spirit that's not fear, that's not timid, that's not anxious. It didn't, those things don't come from God. God does not give his people a spirit of fear but power and love and courage. Some of you are old enough to remember the story of the 1980 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid. 
It's the story about the American hockey team, basically made up of young men barely out of their teens, and some of them were just out of college, some of them still in college. All of them were basically amateurs. They were given no chance of winning the gold medal because to win it, they had to defeat the mighty, awesome, unbelievably talented Russian hockey team, a team that we not only had, uh, hadn't beaten in Olympic competition in 20 years, team that was considered invincible. And in 1980, the American team won the first game, the second game, the third game, and moved into the medal round, and there they faced the Russian team in the semifinals, and nobody thought that they could win that game. Gathered in the locker room before the game, the coach, Herb Brooks, looked at the faces of those players, and he knew he had just one chance to say something to them, and he said just one sentence. He said, men, you were born to play this game. As one, they got up and went out on the ice and defeated the mighty Russian team and went on to beat Finland to win the gold medal against all odds. Today I will say the same thing to each of you. You were born to play this game. You were born for courage and for bravery and for strength and to be an overcomer. God has given you his spirit. You were not born to be a loser. You were born through Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit to be victorious over the problems and the struggles and the trials of life. But secondly, we need to confront our fears. Remember the text, the wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. You will always be gripped with fear until you confront it. Fear will win every day until you stand up and look that fear straight in the face and say, you're not going to win over me anymore. By the help of God and with the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to win against you. You will never win until you rise up and confront the one thing that's dragging you down. Courage is nothing more than seeing the fear and taking action against it. How many of you um, know the 95% rule of worry? It goes like this. 95% of the things we worry about won't ever happen. Some of you may be surprised to know this, but I tend to worry once in a while. And then I hear this little voice saying, stop worrying about that. You're worrying about something that's never going to happen. And even if it does, you can deal with it then. See, God has given us a sound mind, the scripture says, so that we can look at our problems, and he's given us power to overcome them. He's also given us love so that we can respond in his character. There is no reason for a child of God to be gripped by and destroyed by fear. Some time ago, I ran across an interesting story. It's a story about Jackie Robinson, the first black man to play Major League Baseball. Uh, a man by the name of Branch Rickey, the manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers, tried to sign Jackie up back in the 1940s. And uh, no black person had ever played in the major leagues. 
And Jackie wanted to, but he was scared of the reaction. And here's the story of his encounter as Branch was trying to recruit him. Mr. Ricky, I said, it, it sounds like a dream come true, not only for me, but for my race. But there will be trouble ahead for you, for me, and for my people, and for baseball. Trouble ahead? Branch Ricky rolled the phrase off his lips as though he liked the sound of it. You know, Jackie, I was a small boy when I took my first train ride. On that same train was an older couple also riding for the first time, and we were going through the Rocky Mountains. The old man was sitting by the window, and he looked ahead, and he saw that just ahead of us uh, there appeared to be a sheer drop-off. And he said, trouble ahead, trouble ahead, Ma. We're, we're high above the precipice, and we're going to run right off. To my boyish ears, the noise of the wheels kept repeating it. Trouble ahead, trouble ahead, trouble ahead. I never heard train wheels to the, hear train wheels to this day, but what I don't think of this. But our train course uh, bent at the last moment into a tunnel right after the old man spoke, and we came out on the other side of the mountain. And that's the way it is with most trouble ahead in this world, Jackie, if we use the common sense and courage God gave us. But you've got to study the hazards and you've got to build wisely. God is with us in this. You know your Bible. It's good, simple Christianity for us to face realities and recognize what we're up against. We have a fight. We have to fight our problems together with tact and with common sense. All of that from Branch Rickey. Which is a reminder to us that we have to confront our fears. We might think we're going to go over the edge sometimes. I've been there. You've been there. But we're never going to know until we get out and confront the fear. The third, we need to censor our input. A healthy mind is absolutely essential in getting free from fear. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, uh, it talks about our behavior, and it says, in essence, as a person thinks in their heart, so they are. There's a negative side and a positive side. The downside is that often we have to cut negative people out of our life, those who are dragging us down. We all have people in our lives who are telling us that we can't do something that it can't be done, that it won't work. They tell kids uh, that, and uh, they tell kids that they can study all they want, uh, they can work as hard as they want, they're still not going to amount to much. They tell adults that they can apply for that job, but they'll never make it. See, there are people in all of our lives who are just a bunch of can'ts and don'ts and naysayers, who pull us down, who feed our fears, and we need to censor our input so that we're not listening to people who are feeding those fears. The positive side is in Romans 12 too, which says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Colossians 3 2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Philippians 4.8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. 
Psalm 119, 165. Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. This will work for you and for me, but we have to make it work. Put the word of God in one ear and let the fear go out the other. Recently, I received a letter from a family that had um, worshipped for many, many years at the DeWitt campus and, um, and had moved to another part of the state. And in the, in the note that he sent me, he said, Rod, I often write down things that I hear that are quotable statements. And he said, I, I, I have a book full of them. And uh, he said, recently I was kind of rereading through this journal and those statements. And he said, in a, in a sermon you preached a number of years ago, um, you used a phrase. And it was this phrase. Uh, and I pulled it back out in this message and didn't even realize it until I uh, was redoing this and, then, and got his note about the same time. But it's that, it, it is that phrase that I just said to you, put the word of God in one ear and let fear go out the other. And Dan said to me in the note, he said, I can't tell you how many times that I've actually thought about that and used that in my life. Put the word of God in one ear, let the fear go out the Fill your mind with the word of God and you won't have time to dwell on the things that are making us afraid. Instead, we will become overcomers. Maybe today you have a friend who's going through a difficult experience. A terrible thing has happened uh, in their life. It's hard because it's not their fault. You ask how they're doing and they pour out their story. It's awful. You don't know what to tell them because there's an another person involved and you don't know all the details, there's no magical formula that you can give to that person. You can change your own heart, but you can't change somebody else's heart. That's in the hands of God. So tell that person that you don't know how to change the situation, but you can suggest what they ought to be doing personally and suggest that they take care of themselves and handle themselves without regard to that other person. But I also would suggest, encourage them to start memorizing scripture. Something like Psalm 121, look to the, I look to the mountains, does my help come from there? No, my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Why do that? Why memorize scripture? Because when we put the word of God in one ear, fear, goes out the other. Another good psalm to read and memorize is Psalm uh, 91. It has a lot of images in it. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. See, in the midst of times of great stress and turmoil, we must decide to censor our input to build our life around the word of God and build it into our minds so that in the middle of what ought to be a fearful situation, we can be strong because we're standing on what the word of God says. Literally building the word of God into our minds. You have to censor your input in a time of crisis so that the word of God becomes not just something we read on Sunday, but literally the stuff that we live on. Maybe that's a good 
suggestion for the times in which we're living right now, isn't it? Because we're in a lot of fear. We're in a lot of time of crisis, and it's a good time to be building in the Word of God to our life. But here's the fourth and final one. We need to cultivate our love. We have to live in such a way as if fear didn't exist. 1 John 4.18 says, Perfect love expels all fear. We can either have the love of God or we can have fear generated by Satan. But we can't have them both dominating our life at the same time. Either fear will push the love out or the love of God will push the fear out. So how do we do that? Well, we begin by thanking God for the very thing that's causing us fear. Have you ever done that? Have you ever thanked God for the very thing that's causing you to be fearful? Lord, I didn't want this, didn't need this, and I'm sure I don't deserve this, but thank you for sending it into my life. So here, teach me through this situation. Next, we can list the blessings that have come into our life because of the thing that we fear so badly. For example, maybe now you're praying more and more, or you're reading your Bible more, or you're asking your friends to help you pray. Maybe you can't wait to come to church because you're struggling during the week, and Best of all, at long last, God has got your undivided attention, which is what he's been after all along. You can also share some of these blessings you've discovered with another person. Let me tell you quickly the story of Fred. When Fred first got cancer, he said something that I've not heard many other people say. He said, you know, when people get cancer, they want to ask, why me? I have never done that. I've asked the Lord, why not me? All my life I've known God's blessings. He's been so good to me. He has watched over me, brought me back to himself, given me a wonderful life, a son, a business, a wonderful home, a wonderful church, and more friends than anybody should be allowed to have. I've received so many of God's blessings. If this happens to other people, then why shouldn't it also happen to me? And I thought to myself as I read that, when someone goes in, with that kind of attitude, that's why when they come out, come to the end of the road, they're still smiling, they're still rejoicing, they're still believing in God. And that's what courage is. It's facing and dealing with the impossible situations in life and still believing in God, still rejoicing in God's goodness. I'm not suggesting today that you... Uh, add courage to your life, you already have courage. God put it in you the moment you came to Christ. So use the courage that God has already given you. You already have victory in Jesus Christ. So live in that victory. You already have power. Use the power that God has given you. What's courage? It's facing and dealing with difficult and dangerous situations in our life. Here's what I'd like to suggest for you to do. Name the fear. You already know what that is. Name it. Make a decision this week to confront that fear and not run away from it. What would your life be like if that fear did not exist? It is possible to confront your fear and replace it with faith. There's an old Italian proverb that goes this way, better to spend one day as a lion than 100 years as a sheep. Translation, better to spend one day with courageous faith in God 
spent a whole lifetime cowering in fear. And then third, live your life knowing that the Lord will be with you. Lift up your head with hope and with confidence in Almighty God that whatever he throws your way, you're going to be able to handle. You're going to be able to face it. Don't fear. Instead, take courage. Be strong. Be courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Lord, you know what's hidden in our hearts today. You know our thoughts and our motives. You know when we are weak and feel discouraged. So we submit our prayers to you, Father, on this beautiful day, and ask you to give us courage and strength and confidence to face the trials and temptations that may lay ahead of us. We give our lives to you, God, so that you can take control and guide us along. There are times we may think that we do not have the strength to defeat the enemy that's attacking us in our daily life. Restore our courage and our faith. Help us to be confident ourselves as well as in you for we know your promise that you will give us courage to not only meet our fears but to mount up on wings like eagles and soar high with you and even as we ask for confidence lord help us to remain humble in all that we do give us the courage to face our fears to stand up for ourselves to fight for what we believe in to bless others and to minister to uh, your word to those around us Let the fire that burns within us touch the lives of others and manifest your love and your grace to one and all. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.